0: Do you know what the E stands for?
1: No, I can't remember.
0: Entertainment. (laughs) What? His name is Charles Entertainment (laughs) Cheese.
1: Hello, Katie. Hi, honey. Thanks for doing the podcast.
0: Well, it only took you, what, three people to invite your wife and baby mama on, so you're welcome.
1: Yeah, and the main reason is because we needed some diversity. I needed a female character on, and who better than you? You're right here. You have a lovely voice, and I think that people will respond well to you.
0: Well, thanks, honey. Whatever it takes.
1: And I want you guys to know that today's episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Do you find yourself struggling with anxiety, depression, or just feeling stuck in life? Well, BetterHelp is here to help. BetterHelp is the world's largest online therapy platform with licensed therapists available to you from the comfort of your own home. With BetterHelp, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions with your therapist. Or you can simply message them anytime you need to. No more sitting in traffic, no more waiting rooms, ugh, and no more feeling uncomfortable. And here's the best part. BetterHelp is affordable. Financial aid is available to those who qualify. And our listeners get 10% off their first month by visiting BetterHelp.com Birmingham. Take the first step towards a happier, healthier life with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com Birmingham today and get 10% off your first month. Thanks for listening to the Discover Birmingham podcast. Now, back to the show. Well, you know, we could cover a lot of different topics. We could go a lot of different directions here. Some big things have happened in the last couple of years. Mm
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Not the least of which, six months ago, baby Charlotte arrives. Actually, six months tomorrow. Yeah. Would you like to talk a little bit about her arrival?
0: I do want to do that, but I have to bring up something that's been really bugging me today. Hmm. Do you recognize this outfit?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, if you were wearing white jeans, it would be what you were wearing when we met.
0: No. This is the outfit I wore on our first date.
1: Yep, that's what I said.
0: <laughs> Perfect, as long as you remember.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, let's talk about Baby Lady.
1: Well, I feel like we were so prepared on paper because all of her drawers were filled and organized months and months and months before she actually arrived. And You had been listening to countless podcasts, and you had read books, and you had had appointments with everyone from a midwife to a doula to a pelvic floor therapist to an OB. I mean, we had the bases covered. Mm -hmm. So the day comes. Mm -hmm. Where were you when uh, when you went into labor?
0: The Alabama Theater. Yep. I had taken my mom and your mom to see Swan Lake. Just thought it was going to be a cute little girl's outing. We went to an early dinner so that we could make it to the show by 6 p.m. And I drove us. I just waddled around and ate a giant meal and waddled us over to the theater, walked eight blocks from where we parked, felt phenomenal, felt fine. And it wasn't until about 30 minutes into the show that I wondered if the cramps I was feeling were rhythmic, and they were.
1: <laughs> that would indicate labor. Mm-hmm. Okay, early
0: contractions. Mm-hmm. I'm, yeah,
1: I'm asking for my fellow guys out there mm-hmm. who don't know what rhythmic cramping means.
0: That's fair. Yeah, and I, uh, I had a little internal battle at that time, wondering, do I need to pay attention to these, or is it just me being seated for too long? Because I, I really hadn't been comfortable. You know, you saw being seated in certain positions and at some level i was hoping it was just that but she had other plans so
1: so you took them to see swan lake Mm -hmm. i never heard of it but do you think that the organ had anything to do with vibrating her loose
0: (laughs) i'm not sure that's how labor really goes um it couldn't have hurt the process To be in those old rickety chairs and listening to the music so loud that it just shook her right up.
1: What was my mom's reaction once she understood you might be in labor?
0: Well, I was seated. It was me. And then immediately to my right was my mom. And then to her right was your mom. And so I didn't initially make eye contact with your mom. It was my mom first. But she had been watching me. I think she knew something was stirring, and she could see me kind of doing my hip circles and stretching, and she could see my face try not to freak out, essentially, even though there's nothing to freak out about. It just, I wasn't expecting it to happen there. And so right after intermission, I whispered to mom, I think we should go. And I didn't even have to say anything else. She just nudged your mom. and um,
1: So you missed the second half of Swan Lake?
0: We did. Mm-hmm.
1: So you get home and you're packing it back to the hospital or what? How'd that go? No, nope,
0: no. Nope. We get home and funny enough, we had just set up the birth space in our bedroom that day. So maybe we welcomed Charlotte early, not knowing it would Cause this chain reaction of her deciding to come early, but we um I really don't have much time. I remember coming inside, and I had been wearing something with tights and like a flowy dress just for comfort and I could not get those tights off fast enough; they were constricting me in all the wrong places, and i was I had that primal instinct of just getting things off me, and I think that's the body's first way of knowing that. It's about to be delivering a baby.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, I remember I think I was already in bed and you were next to the bed and you you looked at me and you were like, babe, I think my water just broke.
0: Yes. So, yeah, let me back up for a second. We got home and the moms went on their way. They went home thinking, Even if this is labor, as a first-time mom, that's usually someone who goes long, possibly two days in labor. So we don't have to rush. We don't have to hurry. So they drive home. And I think I'm just having prodromal labor, which is sort of like false labor, and it can be your body preparing, but it doesn't mean it's happening.
1: Is that common? Mm -hmm.
0: It's really common. And I had also been having something common called Braxton Hicks which is where your uterus actually practices contracting, but it does not indicate labor. So it's kind of confusing for a first-time mom when that happens because you're like, is this the real deal? Or is this my body? Just practicing?" So that had happened, and that was in my head. So I wasn't initially thinking this is the real thing. All that to say, we send the moms home, and I think I'm going to take a shower because water always helps me feel better. And that's when, you know, there was a shift. I could not even stand. The contractions had become so strong. I was not even really in the shower for the first, I don't know how long, 20 minutes or so. I was kneeling. I was on hands and knees beside the shower, which was on. But I just couldn't make it.
1: Yeah, things got really primal really quickly and some of the sounds that were coming out of that bedroom sounded like that like you might hear the Birmingham Zoo. <laughs> but I remember hearing you say that you weren't sure if it was labor or just um oh no no actually what it was it was when you first got pregnant you were, you said something along the lines of you weren't sure if it if you were pregnant because it turns out that the symptoms of pregnancy are also the symptoms of PMS. Mm-hmm. It seems like that would be something that would be taught in school.
0: Doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't taught. Our our health class, I guess, focused more on us needing to wear deodorant versus this is what your body will do in reaction to two very natural things, but natural things that are opposite. So for me, I had symptoms that were very closely aligned to early period symptoms. But instead, they were early pregnancy. And it wasn't until about two and a half days into what I thought was my body having a normal period that that completely stopped. And that was the only indication that this is different. Maybe Mm -hmm. I should
2: take a test.
1: So, flash forward, you're on all fours in the bathroom and fast forward a little bit.
0: Yes. So, (laughs) that's about the time where I can no longer vocalize anything. And that's significant because a lot of birth workers use that point in labor to signify that something has become serious, not in a bad way, just that something's progressing. And that happened to me very quickly. If you remember, I, I don't think I had a full hour at home before I couldn't even I couldn't even talk to the moms when you called them and said, come back over. And my mom, bless her soul, she peeked her head in and said, I love you. I couldn't even answer her. It was that intense already. And so you quickly became in charge of calling the doula, the midwives. And that's when they told me, you know, you probably have some time. This could take a while. Why don't you try and get in bed and rest? And when, when you relayed that message, I knew there's no way I'm about to rest. You know, I, I knew it was already too intense, but I was like, okay, let me just see how it feels. I got into bed, could not even put my body horizontal. And when I got back on my hands and knees, my water broke. And it was game on.
1: The rest is history.
0: <laughs> yeah, something like that. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean it. It, se- it seemed like it went by really fast. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that it felt differently for you, but midwife's there, the doula's there, the birth pool is all inflated and filled in the Thanks bedroom, and the whole thing. It seemed like it took less than two hours, and it was fast. And baby, baby was here. Yeah, that's wild.
0: I think from first cramp to everything being born, including baby, including placenta. Everything being done was technically just under six hours, but my midwife clocked my labor at three and a half hours.
1: So. From Alabama theater to here? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But that, that's different than active labor, right?
0: I think so. And this is where I get a little fuzzy and this is a blessing. If anyone ever chooses to have an unmedicated birth, your mind starts to get cloudy. And that, I think, is so you don't. Focus on remembering the pain because there's true discomfort. I've I've never felt that way. And it's productive pain. It's not pain that is just there for no reason, but it's hard on the body. And I think your mind starts to know to keep that part a little fuzzy and keep you in a zone where you can progress naturally without focusing too much on what doesn't feel good. And so for that reason, I don't really have a concept of the time.
1: One of the things that surprised me the most is how quickly you were back to just having a normal conversation as if nothing had just happened. After she was born,
2: mm-hmm.
1: maybe three minutes, mm-hmm. and you and I were talking just like we are right now. Yeah. When you see movies and and you see it on TV, it's like a traumatic event where the mom's out and she's recovering for weeks and she's out of it, and but that's not what we experienced.
0: No, and that is a part where my mind became clearer. Once it was done, I remember sitting on the floor because we had to get out of the birth pool for Charlotte to actually be born. And I was holding her and looking at her. And I was so thankful and relieved in some way and just high (laughs) from the adrenaline that I looked up at everyone and I was like, thank you all for being here. You made it so, so much better than it would have been if we were alone. And can I go to the bathroom now? And can I put some clothes on? I, I felt completely like myself other than admittedly a little soreness, but my energy was fine. And I think there's something to be said for having that experience in a place that feels comfortable, in a place that I know in a place that feels like I can be relaxed. Not to mention not being strung up with a cascade of interventions, which sometimes have their place in a hospital. But, you know, I didn't have to come down off of an epidural crash. I didn't have to, my body didn't have to lose any swelling from saline IVs. It just handled it. And it handled it fast. I mean, I was walking within 15 minutes i was taking myself to her nursery you know so yeah it's amazing
1: what are some of the things you did during pregnancy that you feel like paid dividends for birth
0: i stayed active i think that's huge and i think i think culturally and maybe in our society we have allowed birth well, pregnancy specifically, we've allowed pregnancy to be an excuse to kind of get lazy and let ourselves go. And I don't mean in the sense of looking in the mirror and thinking, oh, I still look good. Your body's going to change and it, it needs to. It's inevitable. But I mean in the sense that when you're growing a life, that is the time to do things the best you can. That is the time to eat well. That is the time to have nutrient-dense meals to keep your heart rate in a good place, to keep your blood pressure in a good place. And so the habits I already was, for the most part, doing, I just stayed mindful of. And I took walks every day. I stretched. I went to prenatal Pilates. I ate as well as I could. And, And admittedly, I was lucky I didn't have morning sickness. A lot of women think, I can't eat the way I want to because nothing tastes good and nothing feels good on my stomach. I didn't have to deal with that. But, you know, I think it sounds a little cliche, but really treating your body in that time as a temple because it's doing the most important work is actually going to have benefits not only for you, not only for the baby, but for the birth process too.
1: I think we've made your birth sound like it was a walk in the park, but what I found out today at that event we went to at Back 40 is that your birth is a little bit legendary in the natural health community Mm -hmm. amongst birth workers, partly because she was born breech, Mm -hmm. which is uncommon, Mm -hmm. especially at home, and also treated as a medical emergency in a hospital.
0: Yeah. She's a special lady. I think it's only 3% of all babies are ever born breech. And there's three types. And she was born frank breech, which means her little booty came came down first. It is little. It's so it's tiny. So small. <laughs> it's so cute. Um, she didn't get that from me. That's true. <laughs> and what it means in utero is that her little body was folded. So essentially. She came out hips first. Yeah. Yeah. And what's interesting is that not only was she breached, but I had what is technically classified as a precipitous labor, which is sort of seen as dangerous only because your body doesn't always have time to acclimate to what's happening. It means it's fast. It means it's under 12 hours. There's a range and it's something like if it's under 12 hours or it's over 40, it's more of a, quote, danger to the body to endure. And so, like we talked about, mine was fast, whether or not it started at the Alabama theater or was clocked at home. But because she was breech as well, if we had been in a hospital, we would have had very little option in terms of decision-making between them realizing her malposition in, in the OB's mind, it would be considered a male position. And then the time that they would probably have wheeled me away to have a C-section.
1: So it would have been automatic C-section because she was breech? Yep.
0: Yep. Even though, and you remember, probably better than me, because of her position and because of her being breech, her entire body was born in one contraction. Yeah. I mean, seriously, it was born and unfolded and that you don't always get the momentum of gravity helping birth even in a head with a head down baby. Sometimes it takes longer. So, you know, there's a silver lining in, in the fact that it didn't take long.
1: So now that she's here, what would you say is something that you've learned now that's totally opposite of how you thought it was going to be?
2: hmm
0: I'm not sure there was something that I learned that is opposite, only because I think women and people who give you advice know not to say things indefinite. You know, there was never like a, this is how it will be, the end. However, I do think in general, I had an expectation that the early newborn stage was going to be simpler just based off of the fact that they only need certain things. You know, there's not a lot of guesswork in terms of what is she needing that I can't provide because it's it's going to be one of a few things. Is she hungry? Is she tired? Does she need a new diaper? Is she cold? Usually, when those boxes are checked, You have a very content baby, but our little Charlotte, she is a spirited lady. And she threw me for a couple of months in the sense that it didn't seem like she was quite satisfied even when basic needs were met. And I think that was for a couple of reasons and we can certainly get into it, but I think birth was a little hard on her too. Not because of any reason that things were unsafe or they didn't go smoothly. They they really did. Given the circumstances, it was incredibly safe and smooth. We had a team there that knew what they were doing. But it was fast. And I wonder if her little nervous system got a little dysregulated. I think she really benefited after she could grow into her body a little more. Feel like she was safe outside of me. And you know, that took a few months. I wasn't expecting that.
1: Maybe. And what's been striking to me is that I've seen you as a mom have to give so much more of yourself than I expected you would have to. I knew Mm -hmm. it would be difficult for you, especially between breastfeeding and you still working full time. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it's like you said about how a flamingo, when it gives birth, It loses all of its color Mm -hmm. because it transfers all of those nutrients into the baby. I think they get their color from the food they eat. Yeah, But because they're transferring so many nutrients to the baby, they go from pink to white. And while you're still pink, you've had to give a lot of yourself. And I think it's been really interesting to see that.
0: Well, I'm maybe pink now, but you've definitely seen some moments where I, I was depleted. And I think I've been toying with how to describe motherhood, and I'm sure it will change, and I'm sure it will continue to evolve. But you know how when you're on a plane and they give the safety demonstration, they say, put your own oxygen mask on 1st That doesn't always happen when you're a mom. And when you're a new mom, sometimes it simply can't. And it's operating out of pure love. But it's operating from a place of deficit. You know, it's like another saying is you can't pour from an empty cup. You will pour from an empty cup when you're a mom. And especially in the early months because you you don't have anything else. And it's a crazy mix of, you know, opposing feelings that you're so depleted in some ways but you're so fulfilled by what you're now naturally called to do, which is parent. It's really interesting. And I'm sure that will keep evolving.
1: Yeah. From the start, I remember you being up with her every hour, mm-hmm. cluster feeding at night, and her having to feed every hour all throughout the day. Mm-hmm. And you know, you're doing everything and everything and everything for her. And in spite of that, I'm still the favorite parent. And how does that make you feel?
0: (laughs) Well, just be glad your nipples don't work.
1: (laughs) My nipples do exactly what they're supposed to do. Thank you.
0: (laughs) Which is exist. Speaking of cluster feeding, this is just a cool tidbit I, I learned recently. You mentioned cluster feeding. There's a reason that that happens at that stage. And this is so cool to me. When a baby is born, their stomach is only the size of a cherry. Okay. That's their whole stomach.
1: A tomato cherry.
0: Yes. A cherry tomato.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> a special breed. <laughs> a special hybrid I, blend. <laughs> I
1: don't know why in my head I was visualizing a full-size tomato. <laughs> I was like, surely it's no, not no. that big.
0: <laughs> but by the time they're only four weeks old, so from zero days old to four weeks old, their stomach has grown to the size of an egg. So you think it is stretching and growing pretty significantly every day, every week. They can't always tell when they're full. And in fact, the, the amount that it takes to fill them up is changing every day that rapidly. And so in their minds, all they're there to do is eat.
1: And all along the way, your milk production is changing and the consistency of your milk is changing. Mm -hmm. And what I found really interesting is that morning milk and nighttime milk are different. Mm -hmm. They have different hormones and neurotransmitters in them. So morning milk helps the baby get up and going, Mm -hmm. but bedtime milk has more melatonin in it so that they'll sleep better.
0: That's right. And bedtime milk or evening milk, it also is harder to produce more milk at, e- at the evening time, and that's because you don't need as much. It's so melatonin-rich, and the body, you know, obviously we could talk about the lack of sleep, but at some point the baby will eat less at night, and your body knows that, and so it, it will produce less.
1: What's something else you learned about being a mom or pregnancy that you feel like more people need to know? You could write a book on it at this point, Mm -hmm. and I think you've helped with one, actually. Mm -hmm. But hit us with three interesting and important facts that people should know about it.
2: I
0: don't want any of this to sound daunting because I think we as women and we as people are made to be mothers and are made to be parents. If that's something you choose to do, you can trust yourself on that. However, there are some things that are hard. One thing I learned is that newborn stage especially will absolutely change the dynamic of the household, and it doesn't have to be in a bad way. I just wasn't expecting to not share a bedroom with you for the first four months. No one told me that logistically when you're breastfeeding, that would be something to consider. That threw me for a loop.
1: Well, I think a lot of people do continue to share that mm-hmm. bedroom, but you... um Gave me a gift and and that was maintaining good sleep while you were in the trenches. So thank you again for that.
2: It
0: just didn't make sense for everyone to be up when I'm the one feeding, you know. And if there's a mom out there who is requiring her husband to be up just to keep her company, I'm going to say she might need to check herself on that one. Mm Okay, Just saying. Got fired. So that's one thing that I just wasn't expecting. Let's see. The second thing. Hmm, I feel like I knew this at some level, but my experience with birth has sort of proven a hypothesis, and we touched on it earlier, but how you treat your body during pregnancy will 1,000% help you have a better birth, and I would argue a better postpartum period in general. Now, some of this depends on body type. Some of this depends on genetics. But I have not had to worry about excessive weight after birth. I have not had to worry about my nutrition levels dipping. And Gestational
1: diabetes wasn't a concern. No,
0: not at all. And I think that's because of habits that probably happened well before pregnancy, but they were certainly focused on in pregnancy. So I can't stress that enough. Give your body, give your baby the absolute best.
1: And whatever you're eating, that's what the baby's eating inside of you. Mm -hmm. Like on the ultrasound, we saw that she was opening her mouth because she was drinking. Mm -hmm. And she was drinking the amniotic fluid. And what makes up the amniotic fluid is what you're taking in for nutrients. Mm -hmm. So if you're taking in straight Coca-Cola, that's what your baby's drinking. So it may not be an ideal choice.
0: I think the last thing that I've learned... This is just more of a fun fact, but I like to say it in case there's someone out there listening who needs some encouragement with breastfeeding, because that was a challenge I was not expecting to have. There's not a lot about the body and about life that is both very natural and very challenging. And that is one of those things. If you can push through and if you can prioritize breastfeeding, it is best possible way to set your baby up for success because of this amazing thing. When your baby's saliva touches your breast, your breast is instantly told by the chemistry and the makeup of what's in your baby, what vitamins it needs, what minerals it's lacking, if it needs antibodies for something. It is essentially this magical elixir that is custom-made not even per baby per time the baby latches and that's amazing what else what else in nature can do that so i love that fact and when cluster feeding feels hard and when you want to do anything else but feed again i like to think of that
1: yeah because you i know you felt like and you said that breastfeeding was harder than labor
0: yeah yeah, I think there's some factors that contributed to that. We could do a whole podcast on that, but it is um, it is so beneficial that there's almost nothing that can compare. We've gotten good at trying to synthesize some formulas and even some holistic options are out there, but to me, it's almost a spiritual experience to be able to give your child that
1: I remember when you were sleeping in the guest room and I was in there with you guys one night before I went to the other room and you remember what you said? You We were having a very, very real and raw moment and you said something along the lines of, I just want to be happy again. Or you said, maybe, I don't know if I'll ever be happy mm-hmm.
0: again. Yeah. There's some real hard times with them. Um Both the separation that we had to have in those weeks as well as just the absolute work that it was taking throughout the days, throughout the night. I I vividly remember thinking, and I feel like I need to say a disclaimer here, I don't think I experienced true postpartum depression where it's lasting, where I'm not able to show up for my baby Women who experience that, I think there's some nutrient levels that are off, and I think the hormone crash is very, very real, and I sympathize with them. I really, really do. I think what I was feeling was more an intense, in-the-moment depletion, and I remember thinking I am not excited to wake up and do this again tomorrow. And I know that's hard to hear and it's hard to say and it has nothing to do with how I would literally die for our baby. (laughs) But it was so, it required so much of me for so long that it felt like she's just going to have to get a shell of me because I have nothing else to give. And I'm very thankful we're past that.
1: Oh, absolutely. Very and thankful. Lately, it's been so fun. Yeah. But from my perspective as a first-time dad, I think what was surprising to me is that I didn't have that connection with her right away mm-hmm. because I had nothing to offer her other than just me being there and being present. But there was a point where the best thing that she could do for me is is just not cry. Mm-hmm. And I would, you know, I was trying to be silly with her and she, her personality hadn't come in yet. Right. And she wasn't smiling. Right. She she didn't laugh yet. Mm-hmm. There was really no feedback she could give. Yeah. And that was hard for me because I didn't have, you know, the breastfeeding connection or we didn't have the birth connection. It was just kind of like
2: okay, now
1: we have we have a new responsibility and yeah. uh but now that that has passed and she's smiling, and laughing and It's the best thing ever. We're finally at the point where a lot of my friends who were ahead of me Mm -hmm. said As soon as she's born, it's a feeling like you never felt, your life has changed forever, it's the best thing you'll ever feel. And when I didn't get that at first, I was like, Oh no (laughs) But I'm there and I'm happy about it.
0: I agree. And I I'm sure those people exist who actually believe that moment one is and remains the best ever. I'm a little jealous of their experience in early newborn weeks. But just like you said, we've reached a point with her being six months where she's funny. She's joyful. She's content. She's growing into her own a little bit. So she's okay with separation and she understands we're close by. And, you know, I think it takes a while. And probably for most babies, the early months are them just realizing they can survive. And then once they see, oh, my needs are met, Um, I I have things I want to do, I have things I want to explore, I'm curious, that's when they can become little real people. Just got to get them there.
1: Well, before this turns into just the Horton vlog podcast, I think, (laughs) you know, with it being Discover Birmingham, we should highlight. And give some props to some of the practitioners Mm -hmm. that you worked with because they were instrumental in making the process easier and wildly educational. Mm -hmm. Um, And we saw one of them today, Allison, who did our birth class. Mm -hmm. She came to our house, spent three or four hours. Five hours. Was it? Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Spent five hours and just gave you this crash course and what to expect during birth. Mm -hmm. And without that, It would have felt a lot more confusing when things were going on, especially once things didn't go according to the set plan. Right. Because she had given you other options for things that might happen or the Mm -hmm. way things might go, it it made things feel a lot better. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, she was amazing. Allison Miller, she's with Beham Born, and she is a birth educator as well as a birth assistant. So for some lucky home birthers, they might get her there. And she was an example of this, as well as, in my opinion, everyone we worked with. There's something sacred about people who work in the birthing space. And they bring this beautiful combination of extensive knowledge, medical backgrounds, and a very calm approach to it all. Wouldn't you agree?
1: Yes. I would guess that it's partly because... The atmosphere that they're in isn't tense mm-hmm. like uh like some of the other
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know, potential birth routes people go. Because they're in homes, it's a serene, calming environment, there's no yelling. The emergencies are rare. Rare. I think that they'd project that.
0: Yeah. And this is just a little nod to the home birth experience in general, but what they're used to doing is even if there's something that is quote going wrong at home. They're so trained in the nuances of watching the mom, watching the baby, that it's never urgent. You know, if something has to change, if a woman has to go to the hospital, there are warning signs hours and hours before it gets serious. And that's in part because she's not numbed. You know, they're, they're looking at a person who's giving birth and going through that in a raw way. She's not numbed by medicine. She's not hooked up and can't move around. They're able to observe her fully, so I love that.
1: Another one. Got to give a huge shout out to Dr. Jessica. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's a boss lady, especially when it comes to any any type of natural health in general, especially pediatric mm-hmm. chiropractic, prenatal chiropractic. Now that I'm not doing chiropractic anymore. There's there's nobody that I would send anyone else to. Oh, yeah. Really. She's, I mean, she's really amazing. She is. She saw you, what, once a week?
0: Yes. And to me, more importantly, and I'm not knocking on prenatal chiropractic because I think it had its place and definitely helped me stay relaxed and helped my ligaments be in the right place, but where she really has shined for me ever since is in helping me with Charlotte. Once she's once she arrived and with breastfeeding and Jessica gave me the best possible advice at the best possible time when I was at one of my lowest points. And I think she helped me turn around my breastfeeding journey.
1: It's Jessica Marsh Health Inc. Mm-hmm. in Mount Laurel. But she also recently released a Birth Is a birth manual? What, what is that? It's
0: a 60-page birth protocol, and it's essentially a reference and a resource and um, answers to common newborn and early postpartum questions. And she addresses everything from issues with nursing to baby's first earache to the scary stuff like respiratory issues that you don't know. You know, is this ER worthy or what can I do at home? And she even breaks down what she would use to treat a baby at home, from like a homeopathic standpoint. It's incredibly detailed.
1: That's huge. Mm-hmm. Who else? Uh, we gotta we gotta talk about Hamilton. Absolutely. The, the, mm-hmm. She was the star of the show, the the main midwife, mm-hmm. and then her assistant, mm-hmm. Chandler. Chandler.
0: And Hamilton is with Aurora, midwifery, and actually Chandler was an assistant at the time, but now she's a midwife. Congrats, Chandler. And she is with Birthright, Beham. So I, I don't know if people even know how many birth workers are in the city, but there's at least four midwives that I could name off the top of my head just in the, the Birmingham area. And they're serving downtown, they're serving Hoover, they're serving Shelby County. You know, they'll travel. And um, I just don't know if people expect that in a city like Birmingham. And it's incredible that we have the ones that we do have.
1: Who else should we owe? Fody. Fody, for, yes.
2: For, for
1: right. our, really for acupuncture in yeah. general. Mm-hmm. But he also worked with you throughout your whole pregnancy. Yeah. But Fody is who I also go to at, for acupuncture. And I would have referred so many patients to him. He's one of my favorite people. Mm-hmm. He's so unique. He is. He's probably the most chill person I've ever met mm-hmm. in my life. Sometimes when I'm talking to him, I have to like make sure his eyes are open because he's so calm. Yeah. And that's really nice. You want your acupuncturist to have a calming presence on you, you because they're putting needles in you.
0: He's very zen, also extremely knowledgeable yeah. about the body, about health, about... Um, Chinese medicine in general, whether it's herbs or acupuncture. And yeah, he treated me the whole pregnancy. Before I forget, I also want to shout out our doula, Heather. Oh, we're getting there. Okay.
1: Okay. We've got a, we've got a whole list. I'm just going by memory here. But, me too. Uh, remind me what's Fodi's clinic's name? Anthos. Anthos. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. yeah. He's great. Love Virginia too.
0: Yeah. And they're in five points. So, but yes, Heather, I'm very proud of Heather. She, um, is a doula at Dewdrop Doula, but she's actually working on her midwife certification. So she's going to be able to support families a little bit further than what she was already doing.
1: Nice. Mm-hmm. Another one that we saw today, actually, Stephanie, mm-hmm. the pelvic floor physical therapist, and also Leah
0: yeah, Ranger. that's right.
1: Those two are excellent pelvic floor physical mm-hmm. therapists. And talk about that, because that's something that a lot of people need but don't know they need.
0: And this is another part of female health in particular that I wish someone had ever mentioned in classes or in school or anything. I think it comes up especially with home birth patients because we realize how much awareness we're going to have in the birth process versus being numbed or versus going about a way where you don't really have to worry about what's happening there. It's very different when you have birth at home. You'll not only be aware, but you have to have a certain level of control in your breathing, in your own contracting, and pelvic floor therapy will help teach you, especially how to relax the muscles that will be needed to have a baby.
1: Because just doing Kegel exercises isn't enough.
0: Kegels are out. Diaphragmatic breathing is in. You heard it here first. Kegels are great if you need to tighten, if you need to contract, but during birth, if you do that, you're actually fighting what the uterus is doing involuntarily. And so a lot of women, they have more pain during birth with those opposing contractions. So if you can soften your pelvic floor and those muscles while it knows how to contract, it makes things go faster. And and that's a breathing exercise, and it's, it's not hard. We're just out of practice.
1: Gotcha. Partly because of so much sitting. Mm-hmm. You're sitting on that muscle all the time. It can become almost dormant. Mm-hmm. Let's see. What about um, you were doing prenatal Pilates, weren't you?
0: Mm-hmm. Where was uh, that? Provision Studio in Homewood. Uh,
1: and you're also doing postnatal.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I love Pilates. But they're amazing because um, I think four or five of their instructors are all prenatal certified. So you can actually go and take take a group class like you would normally, but you will have customized modifications in real time if you're expecting or if you're immediately postpartum because they know how important it is not to over-separate your abs or not to enforce diastasis or anything like that. Um, and they know how important the pelvic floor is, so they have specialists there for you, which is incredible. It's, it doesn't cost anything more; you just pay for the class and you get them.
1: Who else would you oh, recommend? On
0: birth team. Let's see. I'm trying to think of Birmingham specific because I was able to get some some resources online as well.
1: Christian hypnobirthing.
0: Christian hypnobirthing is a great app. It was on during our birth. They're great. They, ha- they have affirmations. They have music. It actually will take you through prayers for your baby and for your birth. And it will teach you breath work that reinforces that pelvic floor
1: But that's relaxation. a program you do leading up to birth, right? It's not just mm-hmm. about having it on while you're giving birth. It's a training that you go through yeah. to kind of get your mindset right.
0: You can do the training, or if you don't want to pay for that, You can just have their music on during birth or during a relaxation setting.
1: If you do want to do the training, which I know you did Mm -hmm. and I know it was very beneficial, Mm -hmm. I'll put a link in the show notes because we have a promo code that I'll give out.
0: Yeah, I loved it. And it was really a good touch point for me. It's not a long training. It's really simple. It's not daunting in any way. And then I would just revisit it almost every week just to get my mindset right.
1: Yeah, put the link to the Christian Hypnobirthing program in the show notes, so you can scroll down on this podcast. If you're listening on Apple or Spotify, click that link and use the promo code Chase and save 20% on your program. I feel like we've given the puzzle pieces, mm-hmm. but let's put it all together okay. for someone who might be on the fence about whether they want to go a hospital route mm-hmm. or if they want to go with a home route for birth. I know you've talked to a ton of people who are like, oh, my gosh, that's so badass that you did that. Or, oh, I wish I could have done that. And the thing is, you can do that. You just you need can. to have the resources and need to uh, to have, the, I think, the empowerment. So how would what would you recommend for someone who's considering having a home birth?
0: I think, for me, what allowed me to feel safe and ready for that is not only having a partner who is on board, but having that team in place. So I think if anyone's interested at all, even if they don't sign paperwork or make the decision, I would highly recommend just meeting with a couple of birth workers and getting their perspective.
1: Such as a midwife or a doula, mainly? Mm -hmm.
0: I would start with a midwife. And then if you think that is all the support you would need, that's fine. If you would like someone else in the room, in your ideal setting that you're thinking of, that you're envisioning, you could talk to a doula, it's important to think through how you would feel at your best and at your most relaxed. I remember someone telling me that we are just mammals and mammals of all kinds, all animals prefer to give birth alone in the dark and undisturbed for natural physiological uninterrupted, unintervened with correct birth, that's all you need. And when I thought of that, I thought, what would make me feel safest in an environment that I know that is not full of sounds and clinical smells and lights? And I thought, I would love for there to be specifically women there who have given birth themselves. And who fully can remind me in any moment of vulnerability that I was made to do this. And that's who I hired. You
1: know, Birmingham is such a medically focused town because we have UAB, which is huge, and other excellent hospitals in the area. Mm-hmm. So most of the time when someone's working with a traditional OB, they're given the option of having a birth plan. Mm-hmm. But whether or not that's actually going to be respected is a different story. And yeah. what I was happy about is that this gave you the opportunity to to be the bus driver and decide what route we're going to go. I'm happy with how things worked out.
0: Me too. I think it's easy to, in the society and in the time of life and of the world that we're in, it's easy to wrap birth up into a medical necessity. But when you examine any belief, really. But when you examine where that came from, it has nothing to do with humans. You know, it was medicalized for various reasons, and didn't need to be. And you got to think, at some level, we give so much planning and thought and resource and time to things like a wedding, to things like buying a house. Why wouldn't we reconsider how we're doing the most intimate thing on earth, in my opinion, which is bringing a new life here? We've got to set that standard a little higher for ourselves and for the babies, because there's no reason it has to be filled with urgency, filled with lights, filled with interventions that disrupt something that could be a very amazing experience. I think the word empowered is incredibly overused, but that being said, from a female perspective, I can't even think of another scenario where I could be in my full female potential than having a baby. And why wouldn't I want to experience that? I mean, that's, why I was made, you know, and I think if, in general, the population could see the reverence around birth in that way, people would be a little bit more open to its settings.
1: I think a good point of entry for people who might be interested in taking an alternative route or really a more traditional route mm-hmm. is a documentary called "The Business of Being Born." Mm-hmm that wraps it up in a nice concise way and highlights some things that that maybe we've been told that aren't necessarily factual mm-hmm. and i think that'd be a good place for people to start and even just in the way that babies are born in hospitals the position the mothers in that's not the proper position for a mother to give birth and that was started because that's a more comfortable position for the doctor to stand in while the baby's being born so that's not for you that's right. for the doctor which i think is backwards
0: i do too i think you got to remember that the mother is the patient in that setting and any convenience should be her convenience and no one else's she's the one doing the work it's called labor for a reason the doctor's not in labor the doctor's there if something's go- if something goes wrong but interestingly it almost never does
1: One thing I'm most excited for now that we're past all that is Charlotte starting to do fun things. And especially when she starts talking because, you know, kids say the darndest things. And I love the stories that you tell about you when you were a child. You were like, uh, you're like Dakota Fanning, you know, just a little bit too smart for your age. And (laughs) um, do you have any powder in your shoes right now?
0: No, I'm not being very fancy, but I will share that story. I hope this doesn't make me sound super weird, but who cares? If no one out there listening is aware, sometimes when a lady wears a shoe that might make her foot sweat, like a tight high heel, or even I guess some tennis shoes, but I've only seen it done with dress shoes, you might put a little powder. So that your foot doesn't get all sweaty and slide around and it doesn't smell bad. Anyway, I was learning this trick from my mom when I was about maybe three or four. And I would only ever wear like little church shoes or something for a picture. I mean, I don't even think I had dress shoes other than for that reason. Mm -hmm. But I thought it was the coolest grown-up thing I'd ever heard. I was like, oh powder in your shoes can i have some i just wanted to be a grown-up right what
1: kind of powder are we talking like talcum powder i
0: think it was like honestly a baby powder okay i mean just like a little and it's in my shoe so mom let me have some and i was like oh my gosh i'm so grown up and we were doing something with pictures involved because there was other people there it must have been church. And everyone who would even give me the time of day, I was like, hey, guess what? There's powder in my shoes. (laughs) 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 To the point where mom said I went up to the photographer who I guess was a decent looking man. And I was shy about telling him that I had baby powder in my shoes. But still did because I thought it would make me seem like this grown up, fancy lady. And bless him, I don't know who it was, but he was probably like, Who cares, little girl? Who are you, you weirdo?
1: And every step you took, a little puff of powder puffed <laughs> out of your shoes. <laughs>
0: just like, pff, pff, pff. And I'm just so fancy, so yeah, grown
2: up. Doing the thing.
0: <laughs> I do remember being fascinated with. Like whatever the thing was that would make, would set someone apart as grown up or adult. That was, I liked that. You wanted that. Yeah.
1: You were ready to grow up.
0: I guess so. Or maybe I just liked my my parents' friends and, you know, wanted to relate to them at that grown up level. I don't know.
1: Well, you're still that way and I <laughs> am too because we go to bed at 9 o'clock, eat dinner at 5 o'clock. Yeah. We're up... With the sun. Oh, yeah. Working Sudokus and crossword. Okay, we're not there yet, but mm-hmm. it's coming. Maybe. I li- Actually, I like a good Sudoku. I haven't done one in a while. Yeah,
0: it's been a long time for me.
1: Can you do one?
0: If you handed it to me right now, I would not do it. Okay. I don't even remember how it works, to be honest.
1: Would you rather have the option to win a million dollars for working a Sudoku or a Rubik's Cube? Which is going to pay you? Sudoku. Okay.
0: Yeah. I I like my chances with that one. But if you throw in crossword puzzle, it's that.
1: Mm -hmm. It reminds me of that documentary we watched the other (laughs) night about the um, Rubik's Cube World Championship. Crazy. These kids can take a Rubik's Cube that's all mixed up and solve it in under seven seconds.
0: And some of them under four with one hand
1: under four under four years old
0: under four seconds
1: really yes i forgot that yeah
0: it's like a special category
2: i'm like i don't even know i don't think my hand moves that way
1: would you rather go to prison for one year or go to prison with a rubik's cube and you can leave when it's solved that so you okay so you you're gonna bet on yourself there that you could work the Rubik's cube in under a year.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay,
0: I'll break that thing. Okay, if sm- I have okay to. smarty pants. I'll peel the stickers off if I have to. <laughs> I'll find a friend.
1: I bet that Edwin would be good at working Rubik's cubes, and he's got a mind like that. He does. He's got a beautiful mind.
0: He's very smart.
1: That I think that started in childhood.
0: Oh yeah, he's brilliant, and he's always been creative, and um resourceful with his imagination
1: yeah a couple of good your brother stories i love the fact that he used to pray for inanimate objects <laughs> so <laughs> what, what would you say
0: bless him um <laughs> we would say our prayers at night and he has always been um Just attached to the the things, the physical items that meant the most to him. So whether that was a, I'm thinking like a baby blanket or a, you know.
1: Fishing lure.
0: Yeah, whatever. Just normal stuff. (laughs) Well, the thing he and we honestly were attached to at the time was Harry Potter. You know, he was, we were of the age when it came out and um, we loved the books and the movies. And we had a DVD of the first movie, and he would pray for it before he went to bed because it was just included, like, rolling off the tongue as part of his... So,
1: what did, what did it sound like?
0: It was like, you know, um, God bless mom and dad and me and Katie and Jake, our dog, and Sky, our dog, and Harry Potter DVD. <laughs> and just like... It, it's it,
1: like a member of the family. Yeah.
0: And it's just... It's so silly, but it's so indicative of how caring and inclusive he's always been. He's the best. Yeah.
1: But um, was it a fishing lure that he loved? Yeah,
0: Yeah, that he loved.
1: The way I heard the story is that, (laughs) was he given it as a gift?
0: I think we were at a friend's lake house. Okay. Yeah, and just he probably went to the tackle box and found it.
1: Yeah, so you know those fishing lures it's like a salamander or something and you know how they smell if you've ever held one or or you've ever been fishing you can still smell that smell of a fishing lure yep that rubbery
0: fake chemical
1: smell smell, yeah (laughs) well your brother loved it so much and uh he named it aiken who knows why he would sniff it and he would say "Mm, that smells like heaven coming to birmingham (laughs)
2: Like, why did his little mind think
0: that?
1: <laughs> I don't know, but I love it. <laughs> so good.
0: The best part is that he sort of held on to Aiken like a comfort blanket or something like that. And you know, it's not made of the most sustainable material on earth and it kind of disintegrated and I'm pretty sure he was just like a torso at some point and Edwin was like, No, that's that's Aiken. He
1: still had that smell though.
0: He did. Yeah. Sorry, Edwin, I just said your name.
1: Did you have anything like that when you were a kid that you, uh, like a safety blanket kind of thing?
0: I had a little blanket. It was sort of a linen, like sheet material. So I called it my big sheet. And I think it had a little embroidery on it. And I think it got lost in a move. I don't even know where it is. But Edwin would save his things till they became threads, till they became a mere. He's a a loyal man. He is Mm mm-hmm yeah very loyal very connected to the things that mean a lot to him yeah did you have any um funny kids say the darndest things moments Mm -hmm. oh i have one for you which one it's about when you answered the phone in front of your mom
1: (laughs) oh yeah (laughs) uh let's see yeah i remember that one but the one that jumps out to me is my little sister had just been born and we're six years apart and my cousins are a lot older than me, so they're teenagers, so they come over to meet Catherine mm-hmm. and they're coming in and they see her and they're, Oh my gosh, she's so cute and then they start talking to her, Oh, hi there, I'm I'm your cousin Karen. What's your name? And my six year old self chimed in and said, She doesn't speak yet <laughs> Like you idiot yeah. <laughs> And they're like, oh, <laughs> sorry. Sorry. <laughs> sorry I asked.
0: <laughs> um, hello, she doesn't speak yet.
1: Yeah. What was the phone call? And I forget that one.
0: So you had to have been like three or four. And your mom said she was in the kitchen and the phone rang. And she said, Chase, do you want to get it? Because I guess you were interested in answering the phones. And you answered it and said hello. And the person on the other end presumably asked for your mom. And you said, "Yeah, one sec, Mom. It's the Terminator." <laughs> that's all you said. <laughs> yeah,
1: just real casual. <laughs> uh, Charlotte depressed. will never know what that's like to answer the home phone. I know. My grandparents had one of those rotary phones. Did you ever play my, with one of
0: those? My grandmother still has one.
1: Your grandmother's a legend.
0: Mm-hmm. She is
1: a legend. She and she refers to Charlotte as the child.
0: The child. She may or may not remember her name, but it's fine. Yeah,
1: yeah. Mm -hmm. But her on Facebook is one of my favorite things. She thinks that the section where you can enter in your status, the search bar. That's right. And (laughs) so what does she search for? Photos of Dave Johnson or whatever? My
0: Uncle Paul.
1: So her status is photos of Dave Johnson. (laughs) Right. Or um, what does she search for?
0: Recently... We don't really know what prompted this other than perhaps some neighborhood thievery. She posted the status Porch Pirates.
1: Porch Pirates, yeah.
0: So she was looking for some information on Porch Pirates. Mm
1: -hmm. And my favorite thing about it is that she thinks that everything that pops up on the feed is a direct message to her. Yeah. So if you post pictures of Charlotte on your Facebook She thinks that's a personal message, so Mm -hmm. she'll tell your mom, oh, Katie sent me the most wonderful pictures of the child.
0: (laughs) And recently, I made a post about breastfeeding for 100 days, and Annie told mom, you know, that was nice of Katie to send, but I breastfed, so I don't don't need to know that information. But I got to commend her for even being on Facebook. You know?
1: Absolutely. She's
0: trying to stay with it and trying to be current with the times and not everyone does that
1: we were up there for a visit and your brother was with us and it was his birthday and she got him a gift and that gift was a five page back and front document of definitions of just words that you should know because mm-hmm. she was an english teacher right mm-hmm. at vanderbilt at vanderbilt yeah mm-hmm. so it was just you know, where's that any smart person should know. And that was his birthday gift. Just
0: a casual vocabulary list.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: That's very her. I didn't get involved in this so much because we didn't live in the same city growing up Where when I was growing up. But my cousins did. And they would go over and have lunch or dinner with her and sit at a table that was immaculately set and perfectly placed with one extra thing on the table, which was a long wooden spoon. And if you misspoke, really when, when you misspoke or said something that was not grammatically correct, you got popped in the head with that.
1: (laughs) In the head? Okay. Mm -hmm. All right.
0: I got to miss out on that one.
1: All right. I got a couple questions for you here. Okay. We'll, We'll call it rapid fire. Okay. Billions or succession? Billions. Why?
0: It's a little lighter, and... Well,
1: yeah, after last week. Sheesh. Yeah, oh, that was rough.
0: It's a little lighter, and I I aspire to be more like them versus the crew in succession.
1: You're an aspiring hedge fund trader?
0: More so than a media empire owner. Okay,
1: mm-hmm. I get that. All right, what about... Um, Friday Night Lights or Outer Banks. Oh,
0: Friday Night Lights. It's a little bit more relatable versus being a treasure hunter.
1: I would much rather be a treasure hunter than a resident of Dillon, Texas.
2: But Tim Riggins.
1: Charlotte loves Tim Riggins.
2: She loves him. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Tim Riggins is Charlotte's. Topanga Lawrence? I guess so. Who was your childhood crush?
0: Hmm. If we're going like actor in general, I gotta be cliche and say Brad Pitt.
1: Okay, what about like childhood?
0: Like a TV show? Yeah. Can we count that 70s show as sure, like a yeah. kid show? I liked Ashton Kutcher. Okay. Yeah. But Topanga, was it for you?
1: Oh, yeah. Nice. Josh and I actually talked about her on the last episode. Nice. Yeah. I got to quit talking about her. It's going to. That's weird.
0: (laughs) I'm a little offended. (laughs)
1: I'll leave. (laughs) One of my favorite things about you is that your high school boyfriend played Chuck E. Cheese. (laughs) He was the mouse. That's one
0: of your favorite things? Yeah. Wow. I can do better.
1: How many people know that?
0: (laughs) A lot of people know. Who... Now,
1: well, how many people know someone <laughs> oh, who has mm-hmm. been Chuck E. Cheese himself?
0: What was funny is that at the time it was such a good in because all we ate was this terrible food, which was pizza and cinnamon sticks and cheese sticks.
1: Did you get all the tokens you wanted?
0: We didn't even really go to play. We went to Chuck E. Cheese to take those funny little photo booth pictures. And to
1: watch the show, the stage show that he was the star of as Chuck Which is
0: very creepy because the rest of the band are these animatronics that don't even really move their mouth. I don't know who they're fooling, to be honest. And he's the only one up there, very animated. But he said the mouse suit is like never washed. And so it just smells like you're putting on a sauna.
1: Yeah, I could have told you that.
0: Yeah. I just thought maybe, I don't know, it could be dry cleaned once. Do you know what the E stands for?
1: No, I can't remember.
0: Entertainment.
1: <laughs> what?
0: His name is Charles Entertainment Cheese. <laughs> I'm serious.
1: That's so dumb. It's got to be the worst marketing I've ever heard.
0: <laughs> well, that's why they shortened it.
1: <laughs> is Chuck E. Cheese still open?
0: Uh-huh. Yeah. It's in that weird flood zone part of Vestavia. Oh my
1: god, yeah, that, that bowling alley.
0: <laughs> they just need to make it an aquarium.
1: Do you think Chuck E. Cheese is a place you ever want to take Charlotte?
0: Not necessarily.
1: Would you let her get in the ball pit?
0: Should I say no? Am I a bad parent
1: if I don't? Were were you a uh, frequenter of ball pits? Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, who knows what was in there? My parents didn't.
1: They smelled like Aiken.
0: They did. Yeah, there was that same. I bet your
1: brother loved the ball pit.
0: (laughs) (laughs) He would dive down and never come back. (laughs) There was that same kind of level of weird film and griminess, but maybe it's nostalgic. But now it's kind of trendy to like buy your child their own ball pit.
2: What?
1: Where Mm -hmm. would we put it?
0: Anywhere that you don't mind putting toys out. I don't know if you've seen our upstairs recently, but we have quite a few Charlotte. I I mean,
1: how big is this ball pit?
0: It's like a play, um, pack and play, like an individual ball pit. I was
1: thinking like podcast studio Mm -mm, mm -mm. size. I guess
0: you could do that, but these are, in theory, they're a bit more contained.
1: I mean, this is such a multi-purpose room, you know?
0: Honestly, this would be fun. Yeah. To fill it.
1: What do you think people would think if they knew what was behind the curtain? I'm not going to show, but...
0: It's a little Wizard of Oz moment, huh? Yeah. I'm not sure. They might have their own opinions. Maybe one day I'll do a
1: reveal.
2: Mm Mm-hmm.
0: You could bring in an expert and talk about some things. Yeah. But we'll leave it vague Mm -hmm. for now.
1: Yeah. Well, is there anything else you want to cover?
0: No, I don't think so. I mean, I feel like we could go down the rabbit hole for a really long time about our continued parenting experiences. So maybe... Because Charlotte will be six months tomorrow. Maybe we can check back in in another six.
1: Yeah, or if I need another female guest before then, we'll get you back on.
0: <laughs> or that. Yeah, thanks, honey.
1: Yeah, thanks for doing it, babe. It was fun. Do,
0: mm-hmm. do, 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 do.